like I said, it's very confirming. It's very much like all the everything that you had to deal with to get to this point. Like it's all led you to here. And you also realize you're seeing something that is right above your head every single day when you're not on the trail. But on the trail, you're seeing it. You're looking up at it. You're prioritizing it. You're sacrificing a little bit of your comfortability of just setting up a tent, putting over your head. You just kind of step a little bit outside of your comfort zone and see something that everybody can look up and see. But it just, it's really special. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Hawaii, known off trail as Sarah Dramas. She had never experienced mountains before entering the Sierras on her PCT through hike in 2015. As with most trail addictions, trail goals transform from one into three, and this year she completed her triple crown. In this episode, we talk about where the best stargazing on trail is, how some of her social media followers became trail angels, and even fellow thru-hikers, and how social media can be a force for good in uniting thru-hikers from around the globe. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-thru.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Hawaii. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Oh my God, my, my equipment, my technology is talking to me and they won't shut up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the problems of the, uh, of the normal world, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm dealing with that these days. It's quite, quite different. <laughs> I take it the the re-entry has been uh, a little bumpy? <laughs> yeah, I think this trail more so than the other one. I think it was just a very crazy year for the Continental Divide Trail. So I just feel very strongly connected with it. And so I think it was definitely harder for me transitioning back to being off trail for sure this season but i rode trips across the country so it kind of did distract me for a bit <laughs> when you said you rode trips across the country meaning you finished and then um i finished i went to florida to see my family oh. and i actually purchased my first vehicle in nine years <laughs> <laughs> congratulations thank you yeah i've been a bicycle commuter and it's helped me save for the trails mm -hmm. um and I just figured it was time. You know, I'm back in California now where I work and I'm really close to the Sierras and I want to be able to play in them as much as I can. <laughs> so the cover is necessary. So it, it, having something to look forward to after trail definitely helped me transition for sure. Yeah. And congratulations, by the way, on your triple crown. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was, it was a crazy year I picked to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely did. <laughs> Little did you know. Uh, Little did I know. <laughs> uh, I think there was a reason I was so scared of it. <laughs> that you were so scared of the CDT or? Yeah, it has, it has hype, you know, for being harder. Yes. And I feel like 
was accurately portrayed. <laughs> Though I, from uh, kind of scrolling through your Instagram and so forth, the AT seemed to have kind of kicked your butt a little too. So, yeah, I, was, I think I wanted to go super fast, and the trail. By the time I got to Damascus, I had, like didn't take any zeros for like five or six hundred miles. Like I was just pushing myself too hard for no reason. And the trail had a, the AT definitely had a just like knocking me down and being like, "Hey, you can go slow." fine you're gonna enjoy this and um i'm glad i learned that from the at because i needed i needed that <laughs> especially in the way now why why were you on such a fast timetable or whatever when you started the at i think i guess i would say like before then right before the at and transition um after the pct i did the ct and then the at the following year but i started training differently for it like I started actually training for the trail, doing as many hikes as I could, going to yoga, running, going to the gym, learning to lift. And so I think on the AT, I just wanted to see how much stronger I could be, I guess you could say. Okay. So I guess I put my own limitation on my time, which I didn't really need to do, but it felt good to kind of get it done fast, I guess. And then how did the AT or what was the AT doing to you? that caused you to have to sort of stop and, and smell the roses, so to speak? Oh, my knees were like about to blow out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've never had any injury on trail that's taken me off or I've had to like rest to recover from. But I mean, I was, I was eating a leave like every day. My knees were just shot. And I think cause, because of the extensive training as well, I feel like, I, you know, cycling on a bike 20 miles a day, you know, to get to work and get home. So it was just constant and not taking a rest day, not taking a zero. My knees were just screaming at me and I wasn't listening to my body. (laughs) So yeah, I got into Damascus, Uncle Johnny's hospital, and I was like, maybe I need to catch my breath for a day. (laughs) And did that kind of do it to, for you to reset or did it take a couple more things? Very much so. So I definitely reset. I learned to take some zeros and like to listen to my body more because taking a break doesn't mean that you're not fast or strong. It means that you're listening to what your body needs. So even on the CDT, the same thing applies. Like I wasn't, I wasn't taking that many breaks in the beginning, but then toward the end, I just took a lot of zeros toward the end on the CDT, but it was much needed. And I still got done in the time frame that I wanted. So I feel like in through hiking, you learn more about the balance of how that works. What do you think from the PCT, which was your first trail, what do you think you learned on that trail? Or what did that trail teach you? Maybe is a better way to put it. Oh, uh, I question it. Hard one, too. Uh, most importantly, I think the PCT taught me how important it is for me to get out in the woods and to be on trail. Mm-hmm. How it's like, it's not just you know, there's a deeper thing rather than just, you know, hiking the miles and accomplishing and getting it done. It's kind of like very healing. And it's taught me that that's how I need to go check in with myself and mm-hmm. push myself and meet amazing people. And it's kind of just taught me how important it is to say yes to that. Because you weren't doing, I mean, you had done some hiking before that, but you hadn't committed to it like you've committed to it after the PCT. Yeah, like I thought, I, I, you know, I said I had to get through hiking out of my system. 
mm-hmm. had this wild itch for it. I was living in Hawaii. I was doing all the hikes that I could and I wanted to go higher and I wanted to do something that would challenge me. And I kind of needed to like shake up my life, <laughs> do something big. I feel like I needed to like work toward a goal, work toward something. And um, I chose the trail and I did it. And then I was like, what I felt like afterwards was like, oh, I want more of that. <laughs> How do I do that? So then I, you know, started to implement a lifestyle change of, you know, dialing on my nutrition and how I can perform better and become stronger. And it's just become like this really healthy lifestyle for me now to work really hard, save as much as I can and go back out on a trip somewhere. (laughs) You're highlighting a a thing uh, that I hear from a lot of people, honestly, about them doing their first trail, whatever that trail happens to be, where they sort of get addicted to that feeling of being out there and it becomes a lifestyle and 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 to some extent could potentially take over your life because um, everything is in focus yeah. on that. <laughs> very much so i mean it's it's hard to ignore it i think like last year was the first like through hiking season i didn't through hike because i have a really great job in california and it gave me an opportunity to travel the world and I was able to like put a couple passports the stamps in my passport um, which is a fantastic opportunity but the longer I stay like taking that season off the more of a push I felt to come and to, to do the CDC I, it's hard to explain <laughs> but I'm not alone <laughs> you are definitely not alone it is like I said it's it's a common thing that I hear from almost everybody once they've done that first one, it's addictive. Very much so. When you finished the PCT, were you thinking about doing the Triple Crown or you were just looking for your next fix, so to speak? I guess I told myself that my goal was to wanted the Triple Crown before I was 30. Okay. And this year I turned 30 before I started the CDT, so it's still counted in my opinion. <laughs> but it, it wasn't, you know, it was like, oh, I'm going to go do the AT. And then if I feel like I'm, brave enough i'll go do the cdt mm-hmm. and uh you know that's why i put it off a little longer but i don't know something definitely did kick inside of my head when i finished the pct and was like whoa i, I could do that i'm good at that finally something some sport of decent at it's <laughs> really good for my head space and created this healthy lifestyle and so yeah then it kind of just domino affected into feeding the idea of triple crown Mm-hmm. Triple grinding. So how to keep telling myself when it was super snowy in Colorado this year. <laughs> that that you were aiming for something bigger than than just completing the trail or Yeah, bigger than the suck. <laughs> it yeah. was a lot of suck. <laughs> Is that the way that you got through the suck on each of the trails is to keep something bigger in mind or has has your way of getting through the sack changed as you've maneuvered through the trails? Um, yeah, it, it was more of like being so big and so large. And so you have to break it down. Mm-hmm. So, and this starts before you even step foot on trail, like in financially planning for the trail, say, you know, people are like, oh, it must be so expensive, you know, this, that, and the other. Well, you make a plan. You know, you write it out. You commit to it, you know, eight or nine months ahead of time. You, know, you have a plan. You know, this week you're going to buy this piece of gear. This week you're going to, the and track you can do that and the other 
So when you break it down into smaller chunks, I think it's easier to kind of see the bigger picture (laughs) and to get where you want to be. And so I think pushing through over the years on long distance trails, I learned that it was more of, you know, I've 2,500 miles left. It seems so big. The same concept of breaking it down into smaller chunks. Well, you know, I'll be warm in two days once I get to town, but I can push a little further so I can get there earlier so I can have more time to relax. So it's just kind of taking the big things and making them smaller into like digestible chunks of things you can get through to kind of always have something to be looking forward to. And that's, you know, that's what pushes you from, you know, through 100, 120 mile sections between towns. <laughs> well, when you started the PCT, it, it looked like you were doing some pretty high mileage, just like literally from the get go. Well, that was my plan. I thought maybe if I started, you know, like low 20s that I could just start started out by being like, hey, buddy, this is what we're doing every day and get past that hump you know, five, six days in of like complete soreness (laughs) and then just kind of stay consistent with it. That helped because I knew I was going to be slowed down once I got to the snow because before the Sierra section on the PCT, I've never hiked or been in snow. (laughs) So I knew it was going to slow me down a bit. So I had to kind of, I think, get my mileage down. So like making miles wasn't the problem. It was just going to be navigating through snow and being able to like make executive decisions on what to do. (laughs) You started as a solo hiker, right? Yes. Every trail I've done. (laughs) Did you then pick up a a trail family as you went along or? Yeah, every, I've I've started all all of the three trails uh, solo. I did the Colorado trail with a friend of mine, but yeah, I've just started by myself and I've just met so many wonderful people that I consider family <laughs> on every trail that I've been on. And um, this trail specifically on the CDT, I feel like there was just such a deeper connection and a deeper bond with everybody because it there was so few of us. <laughs> and there was just such a great respect for everybody around, you know, that and it was so comforting to know that you're not the only one dealing with it, especially, you know, I had about two and a half weeks on the Continental Divide Trail this season that I saw maybe three hikers on trail. Yeah. And it it was very difficult mentally to always be the one making the decisions and always having to be route finding. And it was definitely tormenting. So it was, I feel like, you know, the trail gives you the people when you need them. <laughs> After that section on my own, like just so many great people came into my life and we all pushed to the border, you know, finished the second half of the trail together. So I don't know, I feel like it's a, a beautiful place to meet people because you just meet people that are just as crazy as you <laughs> have this crazy idea. <laughs> they definitely love the same thing. <laughs> How was that? I, I guess to to dig into kind of further the the truly solo hiking that is the CDT as opposed to the other trails which are busier. Yeah. And and particularly being a solo woman hiker. How how was that? Um how was Oh, let me backpedal a bit. I did start <laughs> the CDP with two girlfriends. Right. <laughs> but after, you know, a certain amount of miles they it wasn't working out for them mm-hmm. and it you know, I respect that because I've I get that. <laughs> it's a time and a place 
and it's you've got to trust that and recognize in other people as well. But it is kind of it's freeing to know you're kind of on your own. You kind of can move in and out of people and go slower if you want to stay with the group or go faster to catch up to people. It's just like it's surprisingly trustworthy. <laughs> you and you you feel like you just everybody just all has the same thing in common. It's it's exciting. And just the characters and personalities make it so worth it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it can be intimidating, but everybody has just been fantastic, especially, like I said, on the CDT. There was quite a few people in the beginning, but once they got to Colorado, because there was so much snow, a lot of people this season um, flipped up to to Waterton and then southbounded and so finished in Colorado. So it was fun to see a lot of people that I recognized at the beginning of the trail as they were going the opposite direction of me. So it's just like a just a camaraderie that develops regardless of not starting with anybody or starting with somebody. <laughs> How was it? And I guess luckily the CDT wasn't your first trail, so so you had kind of had an opportunity on the PCT, I'm expecting to camp alone and to hike alone and you know, face that side of things on a trail that's pretty well marked before you get into the CDT and, and that. Yeah. How was your, like on the PCT, I guess, how was your first times truly like camping? Camping in bear world. <laughs> in bear world and knowing that there's nobody around for a hundred miles potentially. And, you know, that's, a lot of people are curious about that and it, it may sound silly, but I remember the first night, like by myself, by myself on the PCT being like, Whoa, this is real. <laughs> and like it's just saying my fears and my thoughts and then just passing out. Like you're just so exhausted. This is my case if you're putting in work. <laughs> you're just so exhausted at the end of the day. By the time you get in your tent, you get in your sleeping bag, you do your chores, you brush your teeth, lock up your food, you whatever you do, you get in that sleeping bag, you're out. <laughs> you're just exhausted. So it was if I would think about it too much, I would kinda of go down a rabbit hole. But most of the time, I would just be so tired <laughs> that I just, I didn't have the energy to process the what ifs. Which is probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Like, I I was super fearful of snakes. Like, I grew up in Florida. There's snakes everywhere. And then 10 years previous, lived in Hawaii where there is no snakes. So I'm like, you know, I was afraid to cowboy camp. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. going to be rattlesnakes. I crawl into my sleeping bag. <laughs> like not like that <laughs> never happened <laughs> and it's cowboy camping more than sleeping in my tent on the trail so i, I feel like there there comes a moment too where you're just kind of you kind of trust the trail and not that your guard isn't down but you kind of can sense things out where you decide to set up camp did did you see any bears or mountain lions or anything like that on the pct yeah lots of bears okay <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was it was authentically my first <laughs> real experience. Yeah, and then carrying the bear can this year and and yeah, yeah, got a nice introduction real quick, <laughs> which is probably good. I I saw your video from what the thirteen miles before the end of the CDT. Uh, oh, <laughs> with your with your bear, where this head pops up. And, did you? No. And then the cub looked straight at us. Yeah. <laughs> did you? I mean, because you were you were videoing at that point. So did you know that it was there, and then it happened to perform for you? And 
Yeah, so it was the four of us, um, my four group that I finished with, my trail family. And we, it was snowing that day. We were, and it was raining. We were just trying to make it to the border. (laughs) And we're coming down, like it's like 3,000 feet of elevation loss to get down from this mountain. I mean, that's from a good tunnel. And I'd walked up on the first hiker in our group standing there, and he could see the mama and the three cubs. And there's huckleberries. Now I've been eating huckleberries. It was beautiful. The last two weeks of trail, I was just snacking away. But the problem was there was two hikers coming from the opposite direction. So she was kind of, I could like see this mom there just like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, there's people like, and she's got three cubs, like she's kind of surrounded. So we kind of pulled out our spray and like made some noise and let her know we were there. And we kind of just bushwhacked up into the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and then she ended up running off, but it was the icing on the cake of the trail. There was a lot of grizzly bears this year. <laughs> well, and, and you say she ended up running off. She literally ended up running down the trail where you had just been standing. Yeah, that was the closest I've ever experienced. And I, like, in my panic and, like, heartbeat out of my chest, um, had my bear spray and pulled my safety and accidentally sprayed it on accident so like it went into the air and into my mouth and i'm like digesting (laughs) eating bear spray on accident and like my heart is pounding now there's four of us we all have spray we're all prepared um you know we're all making the accurate movements of moving back and talking to her and letting her know we're there yeah it was it it was kind of in shock for a couple days Yeah, I I gotta say, like the video looks completely pristine, and then all of a sudden the head pops up, and you're just like, "Oh, okay." Where's this gonna? Go? And that's how it was every time. And then when oh, she really? when no mamas, she stands up like they're huge, and mm-hmm. they can run fast. And um, you know, I we always were lucky enough to see them from a distance, you know, and kind of be able to assess the situation and make sure we walked further enough and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, this was just typical CDT fashion. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of the icing, the bow on top. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> you, you had, though, on the CDT, some really amazing experiences, interactions, I guess, whatever, um, with big animals like elk, moose, the moose walking down the trail. Oh. This was the most, this trail was the most animal filled I've ever experienced. I mean, I've felt dozens and dozens of elk. It, it was just, it was so beautiful. I found my first deer shed um, <laughs> in Colorado. Tons of moose, baby moose, mama milk moose. And it was cool to see them, you know, and their antlers in different stages. It, tons, even the grizzlies, antelope the wild horses in the basin of Wyoming, there's just thousands of, I think somebody told me up to 10,000 wild horses in the basin of Wyoming. And so you're just putting in, you know, 40 mile days because it's relatively flat, like the desert, like prairie land. And there's Mm -hmm. just these like young antelope running. It's just stunning. (laughs) Absolutely beautiful. It's funny the way you're describing it. It sort of reminds me of the pictures you see of the old west, sort of before everything got hunted. Oh, and it felt, it felt just like that too. And, you know, all the towns. Even I loved all the towns on the CDT as well because they're like small, wild, wild west towns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that is also 
I you know, love rural towns in general because you're giving back to these smaller communities, little mountain towns, and it just always feels so comforting and homey. And doesn't matter if there's two channels on the TV, it's still exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative once you once you've been on trail it's for all a while. Relative. <laughs> What's been your biggest mileage day? Um, I would say the forty on. Okay in the basin on this trail. I didn't want to say like maybe a 41 mile or 40 equivalent into Timberline Lodge on the PCT. Um, But everyone was cranking out big miles in the basin. It's kind of like the opportunity to to throw down and like do as many as you can. But yeah, we did 40. That'd be good. (laughs) How was your body? But it just, it, it just felt good. It just felt good to like, like, loosen and stretch out the body and do a long mile day after just just the relentlessness of Colorado like post-tolling in the snow in snowshoes and not being able to make big mileage days even though you're trying from sunup to sundown so like by the time we were in Wyoming and there was no snow we could just do big mile days it was it was awesome (laughs) (laughs) you know you get some hiker hobbles and you get to town but after that it, it goes away pretty quick it just felt good to be able to like move our body and get places faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point you guys are well-oiled machines. So. Yeah. A little more resilient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of resilience, how has your body been after the trail? Surprisingly well. <laughs> I'm back. I'm already back at the gym and trail running and doing some boxing and staying busy i feel like it's an advantage post trail to like really see how long you can hold on to your trail long score and your trail legs because i can get on a treadmill and do inclined sprints and it's, it doesn't hurt the way it would if i wasn't on trail for the past five months so um yeah it i feel like it's just i just want to make my body stronger and so and plus exercising i feel like is mentally the same place I go to when I'm through hiking, you know, mm-hmm. try on the prize, how many miles, what you have to get done, what you got to do. Oh, help to be in the gym and to be moving my body still. And you are a personal trainer at this point? I'm certified, but no, I have been lifting on my own. I was just okay. curious about what I could learn. So not yet, but I have the certification. <laughs> got it. Okay. So I guess... Now you've done three very long distance trails and each one you trained for, I think a little differently and, and built on your strength and so forth. Like what would you do or, or how would you continue to build on your strength after this last one in in preparation for whatever is the next one? I, I just, I want to be, I just want to be faster. I just want to be stronger. I mean, I, this my trouble kind of stuff. I want to do all the trails again. <laughs> I want to do other trails. I want to. I want to be able to like do ultra races and get into like long distance trail running. And I don't know. I kind of feel like just because I've I set out for a goal and I got it done doesn't. I want to keep put, pushing myself in new directions and be faster. You know, I never was athletic. I never did sports growing up. I have a titanium rod in my back. I've had a full spinal fusion. Um, oh wow! And I never imagined that this would be such an outlet for me and such a passion and such a drive and something that I really enjoy doing. Um, But I think it's just kind of 
domino effect in other areas of my life where like if I want to do something, I'm going to go out and do it <laughs> and I'll work toward it. Um, so I just, I, it felt good to come back after this trail and, and have muscle memory and be in the gym and, you know, go right back into my routine. So I just want to be all around stronger and, and faster and just continue to put in the work because it, it makes me feel like I'm pushing towards something. Have you given any thought to what would be your next trail? <laughs> I know that's a loaded have question. I have a moment. lot of them. <laughs> I have my eye on a lot of the trail New Zealand, obviously. Um, yeah. Arizona Trail, Long Trail, the Pacific Northwest Trail. But I would like to do all the trails. I would like to double, triple crown. <laughs> um, I just, I love the trail so much. And I, even like the AT, like I didn't think I was going to miss it, but I miss the AT every day. <laughs> yeah, the AT you seem to kind of have a love-hate relationship with. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's just, it, it was just so beautiful in so many different ways, even though it's frustrating. I just, I don't know, I guess I just like the way my mind and body can work together and like mm-hmm. really endure some terrible things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, and that's part of why I want to get out there. Um, I'm, I'm turning 50 next year. And sort of for that 50th year, I I'm gonna hike the PCT. And, and that's, part oh, of it is, you know, is, is what can my body do these days? <laughs> oh, that sounds like a fantastic time. You're going to love it. And I'm warning you, it's going to ruin your life. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm sure you've not you've heard that before. <laughs> People haven't said it quite so bluntly, but I, I get the sense. <laughs> you get the gist. <laughs> I get the gist, and and yeah, I believe me, I've thought about that. You know, because I really, I, I really have gone into this thinking it's sort of a one-off. But from what everybody is saying, you included, it probably isn't, and I just need to get my my head right with that. Yeah, it it, but I don't know. I feel like it's the trail comes to you everybody at different times. It gives you what you need when you get it too. So like, I I've been so impressed by the people um, of, and that's the thing about through hiking. One of the things that I love so much too is that it's all sorts of different people. <laughs> it's the people like you know, reverse growing up, never you know considered they could be strong and something like that, or people who are older or younger. Like it's just broad spectrum of people that just have their hearts all on this crazy feet so you are going to absolutely love it and it's just uh, what a beautiful gift you give for yourself turning 50 that's incredible (laughs) oh thank you thank you i'm i'm looking forward to it i i was just researching and double checking the the permit date for the end of this month oh yeah (laughs) are you gonna nobo or sobo i'm gonna nobo Perfect. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking at like, essentially early beginning of April to start. Oh, yeah, great time to start. And and I'm just hopeful that you know, the snow got Mother Nature got the snow out of her system this year. And next year. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's all I would say is don't don't let everybody fear monger you either. Because, you know, but it's fantastic the sierra was the first place i knew there was no turning back from this life and so i hope you have the same experience <laughs> oh, thank you how did the sierras 
or what was it about the Sierras maybe that changed that for you or that reinforced that for you? I just remember specifically um, climbing to the top of a pass and I didn't even know what a mountain pass was before I started in PCP. You know, I'm from Florida and Hawaii, like never even seen snow experience it. I did, I got to the top of a pass and during that section, we were doing like three or four or five passes a day and just up and down these beautiful mountains and everything was snow covered. And it was just, it was like a new routine. I was like comfortable in it. And then one day, like, boom, like two or three days into that section, right before forest could pass, I started coming up and just over everything down below me on the other side and just being like, just moved by it. Like, completely moved by it. Like, it was the first time I'd ever, like, felt like crying. It sounds so cheesy. It was the first time I ever felt like I just started to, like, cry. It was so beautiful. And I was just so happy to be there. And it was like, all the overtime that I worked, all the money I saved, all the gear, like all the faith and the trust and like knowing this was right for me, even though it was a crazy decision, all of that just made sense right then and there. And I've, I've never known a situation or a place that's ever made me feel like that before. And it just kind of was, it was just solidifying. Now at that point, you're only 800 miles into the trail, maybe 900 miles. And you're still at the beginning of it, but, you know, it's like you made it through the desert. You deserve to see these mountains. You know, you're here. Like, this is the the grandest part of this trail. Um, and it surely was, but it was just, I remember that day so specifically. And that's why it became so special to me. There, there was no turning back. There was like, you're doing this. Like, you, you didn't even practice for this and you're doing it. And it just, and it was beautiful and it was hard and it was challenging and it was frustrating but it was just so right and I think that is one of the reasons that I always feel pulled to trails is because of that feeling mm-hmm. you get that all the time and despite all the circumstances you, know, you can still see that you can still feel that and um, just I will continue to say yes to trails because of that feeling alone because I've never had that in anything else I've done to that extent. <laughs> Can you like when now back in the, the real world, the normal world, mm-hmm. can you pull that memory, that feeling up, that image in your head? up? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's also the thing too. Like when I talk about, you know, a certain section of trail or a memory from a place on a trail that I've been to, I don't just like have the memory of like going through the Mahusik notch on a rainy day with my whole crew on the AT or like all the rep, like I don't just think of them and have the image. I like, I still feel it. Does that make sense? Like I, I, I still feel the exact same way I was feeling that day. And I can like that to me is one of the most beautiful things the trail has given me because you don't just, it, it, it's just such a deeper connection to what you're doing, <laughs> what you're committing to. And it's always just incredibly confirming, even when you don't want it to be. It's not just a memory. It's it's still tangible. It's still physical. Yeah. And that's just uh, the most beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> when you started off down in Campo with your gear on your back and you headed out, <laughs> did you feel ready for it? 
I mean, knowing that you, yeah. there was so much you couldn't know, but I feel like properly ready because that's how I, that's what I did. Like I, like I said, I, 10 months before I committed to it, I told everybody, told my job, you know, got a shoebox, started saving some cash in it, <laughs> made lists, reviewed gear. I, you know, I watched all the YouTube videos and all the gear and the lightweight and decision, you know, every paycheck I get something else and like tested it out. But all the hikes, I felt ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something different when you're there and you kind of get like, you know, like the nervous butterflies in the bottom of your belly. Yep. <laughs> so I felt prepared, but, it, you know, I felt prepared in a different way physically, but it was the mental and emotional part of that I had a lot to learn. How so? Just it forced me to kind of just <laughs> like, like get real with myself. Like, hey, you've trained. This is You're here. Now you have to like put in the work. <laughs> And do it every day, regardless of if you're tired or not. Regardless if you want to or not. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, someone told me um, 90% of your problems on a through hike can be solved by just continuing to walk. <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty pretty accurate. And, it, you know, it was rain, you're cold, you need more water, you're hungry. Just keep walking. You're going to get where you need to be eventually. Just keep putting one foot in front of the next, and and it will lead. You yeah, somewhere. eventually, it will eventually lead you where you need to be. <laughs> so you had done all this research on gear. You showed up at the at the trailhead with you know the gear, and pretty much everybody that I've talked to, even if they've done previous trails, has basically said, "I started this new trail and I was unprepared for X or." X or Y didn't work for me. And so I had to switch it out. Like what was your first moment with that? And, and what was the, the item or the thing? I underestimated how much of a cold sleeper I am. I had a 20 degree bag, but I thought it was going to be more north, not so, so fast right out the gate. <laughs> so I ended up buying a sleeping bag liner, almost okay. like a cottony one. Mm-hmm to add some extra warmth to my sleeping bag. Um, and I've had to do that for every trail since. <laughs> <laughs> Did that do the trick or were, was it, was it manageable, but still not like perfectly? Yeah, that did the trick. And I think okay. mentally knowing I had like extra warmth also helped me. <laughs> um, but I've, I've had a thermia a couple times. Like I, I needed to get my sleep situation right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Probably the sleeping bag is the next uh, big thing I need to purchase. And I keep debating like what is the the right choice because I, I also sleep coldly. Yeah. So, but, but I also know that I'm turning 50, which means that there are occasions when there are heat flashes in the middle of the night. So I need to be able to throw it off as well. So... So I'm in that debate right now as to like, which, where do I go? How, how many degrees below do I go? Yeah. A lot of people have, have good luck with quilts as well. I just haven't mm-hmm. made that plunge yet. It's, it's more so like I, a lot of my gear, once I found, I mean, everything pretty much worked for me. The only thing I've replaced over the years is my backpack. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just because I learned to pack lighter and smaller. <laughs> 
But yeah, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> like, if yeah. it works, it works. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've worn New Balances for the, all the PCT and the AT, but then they stopped making the bicycles that I liked. So <laughs> I switched to Ultra and I just got the same pair every single time because I've never had a blister. <laughs> yeah. I've never had an injury. It works. <laughs> so if you find something that works, you got to stick with it. <laughs> so, so what are you using for your sleeping bag? And um, I have a 20 degree down Z-Pack down bag, okay. and I've used the Cocoon brand silk liner. It added about, I would say, maybe 10 degrees of warmth, but it's, you know, it's, it's all of it together. It's the merino wool sleep shirt and sleep pants and the socks and the beanie, <laughs> and then all of it together, I'm good to go. <laughs> it's the full meal deal, basically. Yeah, the full, the full thing. <laughs> Now you use the the Neo Air the Z Light, right? The little egg crate. Yeah, uh, I don't do the sleeping pads, sleeping air mattresses. It hurts my back more. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think maybe having the titanium rod. I, I don't. I'm also like a side sleeper, so I switch from side to side all night long, like a little rotisserie chicken. <laughs> so I I just. The Z-Lite works for me. I've never had... I have the best loose in my life, like, on trail. <laughs> so, like I said, I've no need to switch over. It works for me. It's a sitting pad. It's all in one. <laughs> do you also bring a pillow, or do you just use, like, your clothes, or...? No, I use my clothes stuff sack um, as a pillow, because I, I don't sleep in my hiking clothes. I take those off, and I usually have like maybe an extra pair of leggings or an extra pair of socks. So the bag can get a little fluffy. <laughs> yeah, I could see it being interesting as you as you roll from side to side. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I it, it's comforting to me. Like maybe because I started out like that, like I said, it's not broke, I'm not fixing it. Yeah. <laughs> There's $35, $40 to replace, like I usually put, replace it once during a trail and it lasts me. I even have it in my... My car camping set up here, the same one. <laughs> Perfect. Now, what do you use for a tent? This year, I, I treated myself. I got the, uh, the duplex five Z pack just because I wanted the extra room, and I had a feeling that the weather was going to be gnarly at times, and I would need to like hang out in my tent for a while to wait out some weather. Really, really, really enjoyed the duplex. Really well designed, super lightweight, easy to set up. I was really happy with that decision. Oh, perfect. What had you been using before? Just a, a single? Um, yeah, so I had a single Cuban fiber tent from Yama Mountain Gear, which is a smaller company. It was gifted with the tent before the PCT, a friend of mine. And it was actually pretty fantastic on the Appalachian Trail when I was going through. I actually got to stop by the sewing room where the mountain gear tents are made and they um, put my hiking partner and I up for a night. We got to sleep on the sewing room floor and see <laughs> how the material works. And it was, it was awesome to see kind of behind the scenes of all the gear that I put so much faith in. <laughs> yeah. You, you could see the, the TLC that was put into it. Oh yeah. And I mean, that, that right to the heart right there. <laughs> yeah. The attention to detail and everything like that's just, it's so important, especially when you're going to be relying on the tent to keep you warm and to keep you dry. <laughs> Particularly on the AT. 
Oh, yeah, it rained for like 500 miles straight in Virginia on the AC in 2017. <laughs> I very much felt particularly on the AC. <laughs> which, which is quite a difference from, from the PCT. Yeah, like I, I definitely have the Virginia blues. <laughs> it didn't stop. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I told myself, like, I'm not going to sleep in shelters that much. I'm going to sleep in my tent. But, yeah, right. I did not want to set my wet tent every single night. I cram into a shelter as much as I could. Yeah. Well, and, and after that many days of rain, I mean, even after one day of rain, I mean, nothing's going to dry. Yeah. Your feet are constantly pruny. Ah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful image. When when you were on the PCT, what finally pushed you to do cowboy camping? I I made a, hike, a hiking partner uh, okay. a couple days in, and she had previously done the AP. And so, honestly, she kind of just was like, "Well, it's we're tired. We're hiking into the night. We're trying to make miles to get to a town at a certain time. Let's just cowboy camp. We're tired. It's dark. It's late. And it was sort of like a circumstantial thing, like." okay, well, this is the opportunity. <laughs> um, and then we did it, and I was like, wow, this is so much easier to just get going. It saves you five minutes, sometimes ten minutes in the morning. And especially in the desert, when you're trying to make your miles when it's cold, it's cooler, you know, before the sun gets so high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just essential to be able to pack up and set up quick. And then then I just fell in love with it. Then it was just beautiful. I wanted to just be out under the stars every night, feel like safe and feel like trusting and know that it's all fine. And it's just so much more beautiful. So the first time, like I said, it was situational. Then it was like trying to do it on purpose all the time because it was so much fun. (laughs) How was it? I mean, I I can only imagine it was amazing, but I want to hear it in your words, I guess. Uh, You're going to sell it to me in your words. The, the cowboy camping and, and basically laying there and just looking up at the Milky Way and, and all the stars. and um, Yeah, it, it, and, uh, it, it, like I said, it's very confirming. It's very much like all the, everything that you had to deal with to get to this point. Like, it's all led you to here. Mm-hmm. And you also realize you're seeing something that is right above your head every single day when you're not on the trail. But on the trail you're seeing it, you're looking up at it, you're prioritizing it, you're sacrificing a little bit of your comfortability of just setting up a tent from over your head to just kind of step a little bit outside your comfort zone and see something that everybody can look up and see, but it's just, it's really special. Yeah, it's very special, and it's, I mean, it's all these little things, like, you know, I told you I had that moment in the Sierra, and, like, cowboy Mm -hmm. camping under the stars every night, like, it's all those little things that just kind of pull you deeper to the trail and kind of just your heart kind of roots a little bit with it because you're just experiencing things on on such a beautiful level that is so easy to access it's just you know we get so caught up in our routines and like i call this the fake world like the fake world life that you don't pay attention to that kind of stuff and when you're cowboy camping and you're under the stars and then two in the morning you have to pee and you're like oh i don't want to get up like I'm cozy, I'm warm, but you do get up to pee, and then you do, and you look up, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is why I had to get up, because I've never seen the Milky Way this bright. I mean, I've seen so many, like, shooting stars, like, it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. 
And the best, the best cowboy camping I've ever done is on the PCT. So you're in for a treat. What section of it? In the desert. I mean, there's oh, just, really? there's no light. There's no oh, yeah. light for so far. And it's just so bright. And the desert alone is beautiful. It's stunning. Uh, so it's incredible. <laughs> I think that of all of it, I think that is one of the things that I look forward to the most is just being out there without the light pollution and, and seeing the stars in the Milky Way that way. Yeah, it's just, I think there's something really beautiful and awesome in the simplicity of life on the trail. Like, of just, you know, you have your water that's grabbed from the stream, and you have some food, and a stove that's going to cook it in, like, a minute or two. And you don't, you don't need much. And I've been happier on trail than I've ever been in any other situation. So, and it just goes to show you that all sometimes all the noise is just nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's just noise. Yeah, it's just noise. Speaking of beautiful moments and stuff, you had a number of opportunities, encounters, so to speak, with trail magic and trail angels who were actually followers of yours. And no, I was going to say, and and they. I don't, I don't, it didn't feel like you had coordinated with them ahead of time, like that they were following your journey and, and came out to leave you a, a gift or a treat or, you know, give you a helping hand, so to speak, in these moments. It, it, I mean, it's been, uh, I've been completely taken back by so many people. I've been absolutely, like, gracious and so sweet. Um, I've been super thankful had some amazing people follow along these journeys. But yeah, it would just be, you know, post I'm in this town or this is where I'm trying to get to next. And then, you know, people reach out and be like, hey, well, you're coming on through. Like, I'd love you to be a ride or to be a place to sleep or a place to shower or crash. And it's just, it's, it's so awesome to feel so connected to so many people. And that's really the whole reason I even have social media. Is. This is such a an interesting hobby <laughs> so to connect with people over like I love hiking, I love being outdoors, I love through hiking, and it's healed me a lot and it's taught me a lot and continues to do so. And I just love being able to connect with other people about that because I feel like it really knows no discrimination the outdoors does and it it is so easy. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm super thankful for a lot of people that just yeah drop off the food or just a note. I'm always so surprised <laughs> by how incredible people are. And then, you know, people that I've got to know as well that have also went on to do through hikes. And that's how I even got into it. Because of some girl on the internet, Dora, yeah. who's not my friend Dora the Explorer, um, who had done the PCT. And I was like, oh, I, oh. she shared her story and all about here and all this everything. And I was just like, oh, I, I want to do this too. So I think it's just a really awesome thing to just feel really inspired by the people that you choose to surround yourself with and kind of put in your head and follow along with and so it felt really nice and it's been awesome to be able to connect with people um, all over (laughs) on that (laughs) I, I think that is that is one of the things that social media does right which is that you can literally connect with people all over the world yeah, I mean, and and stay in touch with them, like yeah, and all the people that I've and like haven't even necessarily like become trail family, but I hiked around for a while, 
like it's it's very it's a, it's very comforting as well like after a trail to be able to like check in on everybody or see that you know so and so is still hiking or you know they're getting out this weekend and get on a trail and it's just it's it's nice to be able to have that connection to the people that you're not going to see again until you're on a trail <laughs> as well and and in some cases you, I mean you may never see them again but you still you still feel connected yeah yeah exactly what was, do you remember what your first encounter with trail magic like that was? I, I know right before I was getting Coon Pass on the PCT, uh, to the McDonald's that's right off trail. I ate $25 worth of it. So I highly suggest not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Control yourself and eat that McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I bought a lot of food. $25 goes a long ways at McDonald's. Yeah, like that goes to show you how much I stuffed myself with. But going in there, somebody had messaged me and was like, hey, I saw that you were coming through there. I left some goodies underneath a rock for you or something. There was a note. So I went back and it was just like Snickers and Skittles and ramen and a little thing of whiskey and all these different things. And just a little note like, thanks for inspiring me you know, to be on this journey. And I didn't even meet the person. Um, they just left it for me. And I was just like taken back. That, that was so sweet. They didn't have to do that. Take time out of their day. Like mm-hmm. I'm in the desert. They've never met me. Like, <laughs> so, but it would be, you know, not just from that, but just traumatic in general. Like yeah. I was going into Julian where the free pie is mom's pies. And there was this couple that there was a thunderstorm rolling that night and they took in like six of us and made us lasagna <laughs> and we played games and drank wine. In the morning, there was sausage and eggs, biscuits, and then they drove us back to the trail. And it was storming, and like, and they they just wanted us to come stay with them for the night, and and just wanted to hear our stories. And it, I mean, I go on for days. Like it has just mm-hmm. been the most incredible thing. Even down to like people, you know, I was walking on a road into Lander on the CDT this. And she and people just stopped and here, would you like a soda or water, beer? And then just get back in my car and go, just it's for you. Like but it's just so selfless and it's it's beautiful to know that that still exists in the world and then it's our opportunity to pay it forward again. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love being around that, being in this environment where people are just always looking out for each other, even amongst through hikers, you know, there's but say, you know, if you need something, chances are somebody around you's got some of it, or you can share with somebody else. It's it's interesting and I guess affirming, you know, when you're when you're talking about people doing trail magic or trail angels or or that kind of thing, where you know they they are stopping all of a sudden or they're leaving some some trail magic or what have you, and basically they're they're becoming part of your journey, but in them doing that, they've put some goodness, some something amazing and magical into the world in general for them, for themselves and for obviously the people who, who find the magic. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's infectious. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have a, a crazy story. I, one of my craziest hitchhikes on the PCT going to Bishop, the long hitch was from a couple the guy driving had an eye patch and we had waited forever. I wasn't really feeling sure of 
the hitch uh, was one of those moments where I didn't think my mom would be very proud, but I was with a friend, and we were going to take the ride in this RV, and it was a couple that had been traveling, and I was trying to explain the concept of trail magic to them, and they just kind of looked back at us, and they were like, oh, it's kind of like paranoia, and I was like, well, I've never heard that. What does that mean? And they went on to explain that paranoia, in their mind, their definition was just the opposite of paranoia. It's like, the universe is actually going to work with you. And, you know, things, you know, are positive and things kind of do work out if you are open to them and you kind of have an attitude of, of being open to that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that it kind of shifted it in my mind the way I interpreted trail magic as well. Um, just realizing that taking time out of their day to do this is, is so selfless and so beautiful, but also like it's, them sharing their heart and where they're where they're at too so yeah it does feel like they're part of my journey now but i've been able to we've been able to have a mutual exchange from each other even if i've never met yeah. them you know like they can feel my gratitude and like how necessary and thankful i am um yeah so it just i i love the dynamic of interacting with trailers trail magic such an awesome world <laughs> in your in your final picture from the monument at, at Manning. You have quite the bloody knee going on for you. <laughs> what the hell happened? <laughs> Adrenaline happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, okay, so the ending of the PCT was very difficult for me. The Northern Cascades were very rough. Um, it was cold, and I finished on September um, 15th, so still pretty easy, early in the season, but it yeah. was cold. I woke up that morning to, like, couple inches of snow outside my tent and I was only six miles to the border and so I was like excited because there was snow and it was the last day and I was trying to make it there so I just started running really fast and down the trail and I tripped and got a bloody knee and to be honest with you I was so hopped on adrenaline to get to the border <laughs> I didn't even, like feel I didn't even, like feel it or feel that it was like as bloody or as rough condition as it was until I got there, and <laughs> I saw the the photos afterwards. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I should clean my knee up." But it, <laughs> it's just it's it's crazy to me how adrenaline can just pump through your system like that. It just I didn't even feel the pain as that, um, but I do still have the uh, the scar for four and a half years later. So that holds strong. <laughs> the PCT has marked you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Speaking of marks, I. Uh... You had this great, I don't remember if it was a quote from you or if it was a quote that you were just using from somebody else of let it hurt, let it bleed, let it heal, let it go. Huh. <laughs> uh, that, that, huh, speaks volumes. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, without, like I said, sounding too cheesy, um, the trail has healed me. Um, and, uh, but I decided I was going to do the PCT. I knew there was some things I needed to kind of settle with myself, things I needed to kind of forgive myself for or forgive other people for, or I just needed to like share my thoughts and my heart and shake up my environment, my world. I needed to make a change and saying yes to a long distance trail is one thing, but being out there and fighting with yourself on the things you don't really want to deal with, but you know, you need to, mm -hmm. because there are no distractions. 
You know, yeah. you have no cell phone service. You, it's just you, and you got it. It's just a perfect opportunity to kind of deal with things and process things. I think in one of the most healthy ways of just being out in nature and pushing yourself. So, yeah. So trails have a deeper meaning for me as well as I'm sure a lot of people identify with why they go, what they're seeking, but it's always a very healing space for me on like the more internal front. <laughs> I I actually, I hear that from a lot of people that it is that perfect opportunity to, to work thing, work through things because you've got so much time by yourself just to think, to be in your head. Yeah, I think I think that's why you know I keep choosing it as well because it's you know you there's always something to I, I I don't know I guess I always want to feel like I'm working towards something or mm-hmm. trying to accomplish things and I just know that when I'm on trail that's the place I do it best. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny, I mean, because, or I guess it's not funny, but um, I, I can imagine, or I would imagine that on the trail, because you're you're out there for so long, that, you know, there probably are things that your your head is, is coming up with and, and poking you with at the beginning of the trail, where you're like, nope, no, I, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to think about it, I, whatever. But there's miles and miles to go before you sleep. So... The, the the mind has a way of of making you f- think about or force force you to uh, to confront things. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the more intense the miles get, the more you want to call. Like that's it. When you're starting to struggle, that's when it, it's just all a beautiful process. Um, <laughs> where what you what you can tackle. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that as you go along. And as you get confidence and as you accomplish more and face other fears, that the things that you, that scared you at the beginning aren't as scary anymore. Yeah. And I mean, that's also the dangerous thing too, because then it's like, okay, (laughs) what's next? Like what, what scares me? And I don't think I can do that. I should try to do. (laughs) Yeah. I think I used to be afraid of that. I used to be afraid or feel like indifferent but like I always had this pull to like go on trail and go hike for long amounts of time and then I'll, I don't know eventually I, I learned to embrace it and understand it more and to feel like proud of it um, because I, I work with children that's my mm. career and yeah. you know I get to like share these values with children and to me that is important you know to encourage them to drive to push themselves and to continue to try things that they're not comfortable with that are scary or intimidating. So I feel like I'm, I'm happy with how the trail has transformed me for sure. How do you synthesize that down, condense that down to something that is understandable for a child? It, it's more of like, you know, getting frustrated doing a math problem or getting mm-hmm. frustrated trying to balance a ball or doing some sort of physical activity and just being like, oh, I can't do this or, you know, okay, take a couple breaths, walk away, check in with yourself, come back, let's try it again. But try this another. It's, it's more of leading by example as well, you know, like 
I'm frustrated. The verbalizing, I'm really frustrated right now. I don't, but I'm going to, I'm going to try. And Mm -hmm. I think it's more digestible for children to understand what I do more than adults sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's why I like working with kids. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have any of your any of the children you you work with following you on your different hikes? No, I I like to keep my work life a little separate, but mm-hmm. you know they definitely knew. I, I would call, I would FaceTime, and send postcards, and they loved the stories of the bears and the elk. <laughs> they it, it was good to feel like they knew I was coming back, and they knew. Right. that what I was doing was really big. You know, it, it was all, you know, I got my new tent, my duplex, and I set it up in the yard and let them see my sleeping bag. So they were kind of a part of the process. And that was a really fun opportunity to kind of have that with them and then come back and then be able to share my stories now some more. So they were kind of, they were a, li- a little piece of the, of the adventure. Oh yeah. Like if I, if I didn't finish the trail, I knew I was going to have an a nine-year-old and eight-year-old boy staring at me being like, oh, Sarah, you're not so tough. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so when you tell us to do this, you're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, I, I a lot of times was picturing their little faces. <laughs> Circling back to like your, to your backpack, what, mm-hmm. what are you using now for a pack? I have the Hyperlite, the Southwest wind rider I think it's called the most popular one on the pct my first hike i used i'm blanking on it right now um it was a ula ula equipment pack you want to say it was a catalyst it was a little a big catalyst or a circuit uh, or something like that yeah and then before i did the at i decided i was going to make a switch to something smaller because <laughs> i was carrying less and i switched to the hyperlight and i absolutely love it tip they usually have a sale a black friday deal and you get 20 percent off so so i did that before the ac i got a white one and i just thrashed it (laughs) so before the cdc i got the sale again got the black version and now it's drenched by the sun but bleached by the sun but um they help they hold up they help they hold up good and i don't feel like i'm wearing anything it just kind of feels like a part of me so really enjoy my hyperlight pack (laughs) Do they have a hip belt or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that's where I need to carry the weight. And, you know, I was able to carry my snowshoes, my 25-inch snowshoes for about 400 miles on top of it. So you can, and I put my chips and my bagels in the outside. So it's a very versatile pack. Which actually is the perfect segue into what your nutrition was out there. <laughs> Okay, my nutrition on trail is the only thing I have not dialed in. <laughs> um, and like I in the fake world, I'm meal prepping, getting my veggies, my protein, like very strict. But on trail, it's Oreos and Cheetos and ramen, size <laughs> and candy. So yeah, I'm a bad, bad example of that. <laughs> you're you're a traditional through hiker. <laughs> I always like this trail too because I only have recently got more serious about my own nutrition off trail. But I told myself I'm gonna do all these things, and then I just wanted the sugar and the fat processed food on trail. Did you end up with hiker hunger? Oh yeah, 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like finishing three or four slices of pizza and then being like, Oh, I feel like my stomach feels like it hasn't ate anything yet. So the biggest thing for me post trail is portion control. Um, because I'm still exercising a lot and want to make an excuse to eat more, but I just need to watch my portion (laughs) because I'm not hiking 30 miles a day right now. (laughs) How long did it take for hiker hunger to hit you? Oh, like two weeks. <laughs> okay, so they're pretty. The I love. I live to eat. I live to eat on trail. <laughs> I'm assuming you got up in the morning and you had breakfast, and then were you breaking throughout and and eating, or did you have like three big meals a day, or like what were you trying to do to to assuage it? Um, I think actually on the CDT, I developed more of like a routine and a pattern in it. But I would break every typically every like three hours. And if I break, when I say a break, I mean, take off my socks, let my feet air out and usually Mm. filtering water. Um, But yeah, I would usually eat first and second lunch, first lunch around noon, second lunch around mid afternoon, try to try to eat later in the night. I just, I'm constantly eating. (laughs) And when you're not eating, you're thinking about food? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And I mean, like diner like mom and pop dive diners are my favorite thing in the world so i will do long mile days to make it to breakfast and <laughs> oh, I, I and i do love me a good breakfast oh it's so worth pushing miles for <laughs> <laughs> when you say push miles would you push miles to get into town or would you push miles to be close to town so that you could get in during the breakfast hours and yeah, either way, I think I did a lot more pushing to get to town and get a bed on this last mm-hmm. trail just because of sleeping in, on the snow and in the cold so many nights. But either way, however it works out, I just like to get to town early to get my chores done so I can like relax before I have to get out of town the next day. But typically that includes diner breakfast. <laughs> There's just <laughs> something different about it. It's so good. Yeah. When did you, were you resupplying yourself from the stores or the, the mini marts or whatever on trail, or were you sending yourself packages of stuff? Actually, I was super intimidated about that um, before I started the PCT, just because there was so much knowledge on and debate and questions and so many videos on resupplying as you go or ahead of time. But the logistics of like making 50 boxes and sending them ahead to me just gave me a headache. And <laughs> I didn't want to have to deal with that, nor did I want to have to burden anybody I know or love to do that for me so i only sent like two or three boxes on the pct but i sent them from a trail town to a town up ahead and i would highly suggest that just because it's a lot less running around for um you know for the post office closing i have to get there this time or they lost my package it's sometimes it's just easier like i said to just do a big shop in walmart in town and just send two or three boxes ahead because you know you get so tired of food um, what you think you may want in the beginning before you start through hiking two months in, you're not going to want to eat those close bars. You're not going to want to eat the candle <laughs> fish. Um, like, it's just going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just easier for me to resupply as I go. I definitely enjoy that. How did your tastes morph throughout the trail? I was got sick of things. Like, I won't be able to eat tuna fish for a couple of years, I don't think. I'm retiring it. <laughs> yeah like some trails like i was obsessed with like goldfish or oreos and like this trail i was more into like puffy cheetos like you just you kind of 
fixate on something and it, it it's all you want. <laughs> but I just, I definitely did get sick of quite a few things. <laughs> did you ever go into town and get, get something like a, like a special meal and then pack it out and. Oh, always pizza. Pizza? Or Subway foot long subs. Yeah. Pizza <laughs> or subs. <laughs> Always get the large because you can put the rest in a Ziploc and take it. Or, you know, the pancake challenge in Syed Valley. My hiking partner didn't finish. And so she put the extra pancakes in a Ziploc bag with some syrup. And that was breakfast for us for a couple of days. Just spoon feeding ourselves pancakes out of a Ziploc bag. <laughs> wow. That actually sounds really good. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it would almost make me want to order extra pancakes. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea because you you may not want it after like you know a couple bites, but you're gonna want that tomorrow. <laughs> it's all you can think about. <laughs> the memory of the pancake. Yeah. What was your most difficult time on trail, and and how did you get through it or get past it? I'm tempted to say mosquitoes mm. because that that is that'll just mess with your mind. But the CDT Colorado section this year took the cake. It it was scary. Like, at least for me, a lot of people got off and quit or jumped, you know, flip-flopped. And mm-hmm. it was a whole different game that I was, I've never played before. There was cornices and then snowshoes and post-holing and learning where to step and, you know, trusting, kicking in with your feet. And it it was just, and then I was by myself. My hiking partner quit and see anybody. That was like the roughest section for me to be by myself. And so I would just try to find ways. Like one time I had a bail, get into the top of a pass coming out of Copper Mountain because I couldn't find a way down the other side for two and a half hours. I was searching for a route. I couldn't find one. Didn't feel comfortable glissading by myself without a GPS. Like it was just, I realized it was in way over my head and I had to just, detached from that thinking because it was just gonna lead me to a dark place so I had to just focus like I had to make the decisions on the navigation and I had to follow the wrong tracks for a while to go back and it it just it was I would start the day before the sun came up and I would end after the sunset and was still making like barely 20 miles and it was just mentally frustrating because it just took so much longer to do the miles and you really don't see an end in sight. Everything's white. <laughs> and if the footprints disappear, then it's it, it can be really daunting. So it definitely pushed me completely outside of my zone and made me, like, super worried and scared. Um, but I made it through. <laughs> yes, you did. Was it, was it just staying focused on the here and now? Yeah, it was it was more of like, okay, we'll get through tonight. <laughs> I started carrying toe warmers because my feet were soaking wet from mm. hiking in snow all day. And then I was sleeping on snow up for eleven thousand, twelve thousand feet and my feet wouldn't dry out. So I was like, Well, I'm not gonna and I didn't sleep because my feet were frozen one night. So I carried the toe warmers and so mentally just being like, Okay, well the day's gonna end. You're going to be warm. You have warm feet. You have a hot, you have a ramen to make, or you have a warm meal. Tomorrow, you'll get closer. So it's just, like I said, breaking it up into chunks and kind of just, okay, good, you accomplished this. Now we're going to accomplish the next thing. 
And knowing that, you know, the snow wasn't going to last forever. Eventually, there's going to be a warm place north of here. <laughs> Just keep moving. <laughs> the sun is out there somewhere. Yes. You have to go find it. <laughs> exactly. So the, 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 the opposite of that, and I know you've, we've been talking about some pretty amazing moments on trail, um, already, but what, what was your kind of your favorite moment of all of these trails that you've done? Oh, that's, that's an unfair question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I would say one of, uh, one of your favorite, one of, um, I actually leaving on this trail on the CT, the Wind River Range was absolutely blew me away. And there was a night coming up to Campbell, we camped on top of a pass and it just overlooked it all. And it was absolutely beautiful and it was hard mosquitoey, but it was that would probably be one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably just one of the most recent. Also a glacier. I took the wrong trail with one of my hiking partners two days, three days before the end of the CDT and it, the trail took us up this ridge and it was stunning. And it was the wrong trail, but it had, it connected back to the CDT and it had these just jaw dropping views. And yeah, it just kind of shows you that you always end up where you're supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some of your pictures from the Wind River Range and they, they look epic. Like, you're at the top of the world and it's just laid out in front of you endlessly. That's what I keep chasing. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything you feel like we should talk about or should be mentioned that we haven't talked about at this point? No, I, I like, I like the direction you took. I, I like talking. I don't often talk about the PCT. It was a lot further back, but it, I think was the, it definitely molded me. Um, so it was, it was very refreshing to talk about it again. Yeah. I just like, I'm appreciative of the opportunity to share my experiences and it's helpful to talk about it to kind of keep it fresh in my heart and in my head as well. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, and, and likewise, thank you for sharing your stories because that is what gives me uh, courage, so to speak. Oh, you're going to have a blast. I'm so excited for you. Maybe I'll see you out there, actually. Maybe. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I, I will know it's you by your tattoo. If people want to follow your continuing adventures, where where should they follow you at? I have an Instagram page. It's called at Fearless Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, and also a Facebook page as well. So I typically post my training and what I do outside. Beautiful. I know a question that I haven't asked yet, which is, what is your trail name? Oh, I'm Hawaii. (laughs) Hawaii, of course. Yeah, I, I, on the PCT, I guess I just, I talked about it so much because I'd spent 10 years of my life there and I'm a very big advocate of living in Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah, I just was dubbed Hawaii. <laughs> Do you speak pigeon at all or? No, um, I, I had such a great time there. Um, 
So I would love to move back there, but that chapter of my life is closed for now. But yeah, if you haven't been, go to Hawaii. It's fantastic. Oh, I I have been. I went to college for a couple of years at Hawaii Loa. And uh Oh it nice. Was, it was amazing and likewise life changing. So Yeah. Thank you and good luck good luck on you continuing to prepare for your hike. Like I said, you're you're making a really good decision. <laughs> notes and links for Sarah's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Sarah for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. I'd love to hear them. So please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. And if you like what we're doing here, we'd love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.